Good morning and Merry Christmas. If you're visiting with us for the very first time, my name is Philip Brandon. I'm the pastor here, and I'm glad that you're with us. Um, if you don't mind, you received a bulletin this morning. If you could just fill out that card, and then there's going to be a table right out in the foyer area, and um, there's going to be somebody there to take that card, and then we have a gift bag for you so that you can take home. It's our gift for you visiting with us. In fact, we do that not only at Christmas, we do that all during the year. So nonetheless, just be sure to get your gift bag on the way on the way out. Um, just to be clear, we are having worship next week, just not Bible study. So just, just in case somebody thought, oh, they're not having service. No, we're having, we're having service. So um, they didn't let me off next week. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be here for the service. And it's the 31st, so that'll be good. Um, this is our fourth um, in the series, Who Invented Christmas? This is actually one I wanted, Philip Brand wanted to put at the beginning of the series, but I just couldn't do it. And so I just kind of submitted and just said, okay, it's going to be this Sunday. So I just wanted to start with that, just in, in case halfway through it you're like, this isn't normal. Well, it, it isn't. So uh, that's that. So let's get started. Turn your Bibles to Luke, Matthew chapter 1. In fact, um, that is out of order, I think. So it is Luke. It's not Luke 2 either. It's Luke chapter 1, so ignore that and just say that the two is a one for now. I mean, that's just how I feel about it today. I think twos are one, so we'll just go with that. Everybody else in the culture can do it. I'm going to do it too. Two is one today, all right? So uh, Luke chapter 1, and we'll begin reading with verse 26 in Luke chapter 1. And this is what it says. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favor one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great and will be called Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. This is essentially a call of God to Mary to have Jesus. This is my opinion it is, might not be the opinion of the Bible. I don't know, because the Bible really doesn't give opinions. In my opinion, this is the greatest call of all time. The greatest call of all time is to say, hey, I want you to bear Jesus. I am going to place Jesus within your womb. You're going to carry him nine months, and then he's going to be birthed, and you are going to hold the Savior that created you. The greatest call of all time. And so Mary receives this, and she accepts it. And this is not only for Jesus to be born in a manger. It is also for Jesus to one day rule and reign in the world. In other words, that song that we normally sing, Joy to the World, the Lord has come, which really isn't a first Advent song. It's a second coming song of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think we should sing it at Christmas. That's not my point. My point is it's a second Advent song of Jesus returning to the earth and reigning because this is going somewhere. We are not going to be left where we are. 
And so this is an amazing call that Mary received from God. Absolutely amazing. So, turning your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1, which is to your left. Two books to your left. So now, just because I'm feeling like it, ones are going to be ones and twos are going to be back to being twos. Just, just in case, just want to be clear where I'm at when I feel things up here. Okay. Matthew chapter 1. And yes, I am making fun of something intentionally. Okay, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. It says this. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Now, I, I totally get why Joseph was this way. Mary came to him and said that God put the baby in her womb. That is a little weird, all right? That's not really the way it happens. You don't find them in the garden. It just doesn't happen that way. So he's thinking, oh my goodness, she's lying to me. She's a little loopy. I'm not really sure what to do. I love her, so I don't want her to be publicly humiliated. So what can I do to kind of protect her, but at the same time, I can't keep her as my wife? I mean, he was... He was really struggling through this. By the way, I want to point out, this is the first struggle Mary had with the child. She had to tell her fiancé, who was soon to be her husband, and I can explain all that later, but she had to tell him she was pregnant. And then she had to tell him a story that was just bizarre. By the way, if you wanted to um, prove that the Bible was true and you wanted to prove that Jesus was real, you probably wouldn't use a virgin birth. It's just too way out there for people to accept unless it really happened. And so she tells him and she kind of sticks to it and she knows it's going to be a struggle for a little while. So her call came with a struggle. Notice, but as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So here is, in my estimating my opinion, the second amazing calling of Scripture. The first being, hey, you're going to carry the baby, Mary. You're going to carry Jesus to full term. The second is, uh, you get to father my son. You get to raise the King of kings and Lord of lords. You get to be there when he is birthed and hold him for the very first time. That is an amazing calling, just an amazing calling. So here are two people in Scripture that God selected to do a specific task, to have and to raise the Son of God, the King of kings and Lords of lords, and they took it on by faith. Now hang on to that, okay? Um. I, I watch YouTube. I really don't watch TV much anymore. I just don't. Because you can go to YouTube and select the stuff that you want to watch and you can go through, set aside all the crummy stuff and go for the real good stuff and all that kind of stuff. Well, one of the things that um, I, probably back in the fall I became very kind of fixated on was police chase scenes, right? Because they're highly entertaining. Highly entertaining police chase scenes. So 
Um, every time they are chasing somebody, it is because that they have done something wrong. They ran, and they did because they have done something wrong. Now, here's the first one. All right, you can turn down the volume a little bit. This is a transfer truck, right? And he is being chased by these police. Now, the police has shot his tire out, and that started the fire. So the wood is now on fire. So what he does is he decides to shake the truck a little bit. Oh, by the way, that's a tire going off on the side. So he starts to shake the truck, and the wood here in a minute will start falling off that um, video. Wait, there he is. Hold on. So a police officer is going to jump out on the right side of this van right now, race over there, and in one shot actually hit the driver. Incredible marksmanship for that police officer. So in order to create a diversion, here's where he's, he's shaking, he's trying to get rid of the wood, right? And so no kid got injured on the school bus, and then they finally get him. Okay, they finally get him, they cuff him, they stuff him, they, they take him in. Now, now, that is really a longer video than that if you look it up on YouTube. It's, it's actually 20 minutes of sheer entertainment is what that is. And yes, I've sat there and watched it for 20 minutes. Some of you guys, uh, some of you ladies watch The Bachelor. Um, that's much better than The Bachelor uh, to watch for and, you know, that amount of time. But that's incredible. Here's another one. I need that clock. Yeah, okay, here's another one. Now, this is a police car chase. Okay, can you... So what has happened is a guy has robbed a convenience store and he has stolen a Krispy Kreme donut truck and the donuts are coming out of the truck. So it's my estimation that, not, that, that there is a set of police officers following the truck and then one that's collecting the donuts. Is, is my estimation. That's, that's what I think is happening with, with this one right here. So he did something wrong, so he ran. Because you run when you do something wrong. I mean, that's kind of ingrained in our mind. Okay, so here is one of the most famous um, car chases of all time, right here. Tell me when you realize what it is. O.J. Simpson. Now, I know he recently got out of jail, but he is still guilty. Um, he was chased for a long period of time. This was one of the best, best, most well-known chases of all time. So people, people run when they do something wrong, okay? Um, we can go to the next screen. We're good. Um, so recently, not recently, I, I do not run to exercise, okay? I know you're wondering, how does he stay this and and it's because of this verse right here. Proverbs 28 says, the wicked run when no one pursues. So I do not run for exercise, right? The latter part of that verse says, the righteous stand bold as a lion. So I don't run, I just stand, right? I stand and I'm righteous and I don't run because I haven't done anything wrong. So the wicked run when no one pursues, that is actually my, my life first now. That one right there. Okay, so you, you run when you've done some wicked, but however, sometimes people run when they are innocent. For instance, this picture that you may recognize. 
For those of you a little bit younger, that is the Dukes of Hazard. Jumping, that was every, every single time. That is amazing. You didn't watch that thing for the plot. You watched it for the jumps and the chases and all that kind of stuff. It was just amazing. But sometimes people run because they are innocent, because they are in- innocent. So with that in mind, I want you to turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. Now, what has happened um, is Jesus has been born. He's living in a house. Some uh, wise men have come, and we had a sermon on that the first, first in the series. He came. It's probably more than three, but we really don't know how many there were. Um, but they came, and they gave him gifts. And so they went to sleep one night, and God uh, appeared to them in a dream and told them to go home another way. So they left, and they are going home another way, and this is where we pick up with the story in uh, Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. It says this, now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt. And remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Heather, Heather, sorry, Heather, Herod. (laughs) And this was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. I want to pause here a moment. We have established that Mary and Joseph have been called of God to have the child. Our concept of being called of God to do something, whether it's that enormous or whether it's small, is that once we're called to do it, doors open, life is good, everything's great. In fact, I've heard many people preach that, that once you, you know that it's God's way if all the doors open and if there's no obstacles. If nothing bad happens, you know you're on the right path. I would submit to you this morning that that is, that is far from the truth. I will tell you that the moment that you make a life dedication to the Lord Jesus Christ, even in salvation, you will have a, a great moment for a while, but somewhere down the line, there's going to be some resistance to you being saved. Once you decide to, to, um, to serve the Lord with all your heart and do something in the church, there is going to be resistance for you to do that. I've seen this happen many times. I've seen this happen with teachers. I've seen this happen with people that lead worship. I've seen this happen with people that are are involved in outreach. They're really involved and then something distracts them. There's something that happens that's trouble in their life that they have to fix, they have to do, and it distracts them from actually doing what God wants them to do. Because they start thinking in terms of, well, God doesn't want me to do this. He wants me to fix this, and they get distracted. Or there's some trouble that comes up, and they get very depressed because that trouble has come up. Here are two people that were called of God to have the Jesus, the, the greatest calling of all time. And these people had trouble. Jesus and his parents, who had done nothing wrong, had to run for their lives. Because Herod, if he figured out that Jesus was the Messiah, wouldn't have stopped with Jesus. He would have taken out the parents too. He was that crazy. Right? So they had to flee. 
So God tells, I want you to picture this, and, I, and my next couple of statements have nothing to do with anything political at all. I'm just telling you what happened. Fair enough? So don't think politics, think Bible. They had to leave the country that they were a citizen of, and they had to go all the way to Egypt and live as immigrants for two years. For two years. They were in a place where their race was not the same race as the Egyptians. And in fact, historically, the Egyptians had made them slaves, had been battling them. They were not always friendly to, to Jewish people. They had to move to a place that was even a hostile environment that wasn't very kind to them, all right? So they had to live there for a certain amount of time. And then this is what the Bible says in verse 19. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, rise and take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. Man, this must have been a moment for them. We can go back home. So they headed toward Bethlehem. Let me tell you why they headed toward Bethlehem. They headed toward Bethlehem because back home, when she was found with child, there was all types of stuff being said about them, right? Bethlehem was the place where they had Jesus and they could actually live in peace. Nobody knew them really. They could just live there and it was fine. It was just a safe place for their family. So they were excited to go back to Bethlehem, kind of detached from the family and from people that know them, but and raise Jesus without all that stuff going on. But this is what happened. Verse 21, and he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. So even on the way back, they got news. I mean, I've got Jesus. Why isn't this easier? Do you know what? I've got the King of kings and Lord of lords. Why isn't this easier? I'm in God's will. Why isn't this easier? And the answer to that question is, being in God's will is not a life void of trouble. Second, protecting and preventing. There is a difference, ladies and gentlemen, between God protecting you and God preventing something from happening. I would say that if we were, we were to poll the congregation, it would be a very high percentage of people that would say, we wish that God would prevent the evil in this world. I'm sure that you might have watched something on TV and wondered, why didn't God prevent that evil from happening in the world? There is a difference between God preventing something from happening, in other words, stopping, making sure it doesn't happen, and God protecting. And it seems in Scripture that God really doesn't protect, doesn't prevent evil from happening. Very much. There is Sodom and Gomorrah, where he put an end to it. There is the flood, where he put an end to it. But God doesn't necessarily always step in and stop evil from happening in this time period. But what he does, he does protect his children. So what did he do? When Herod decided to kill all the children uh, 
under the age of two, he sent an angel to tell Joseph and Mary to move somewhere else where it was safe. He protected the people that were in his will that were following him. There's a difference between protecting and preventing. So in your life, if, if you feel like you're in God's will, if you feel like you're doing what God wants you to do, and something bad has occurred, chances are God's not preventing bad things from happening to you, he's protecting you from those things at some level. Next, God always gives you what you need to accomplish his will. Always gives you what you need to accomplish your will. Let me pause a moment by saying, what I think I need is not always what God thinks I need. Fair enough? What I need think I need, he doesn't always do that, but he has always given me and you exactly what we need. Now notice, make sure I get the right verses. Um, um, Troubled scribes, I should have wrote this down. Let's look at verse 11. Yeah, verse 11. And going into the house, this is the wise men, they saw the child with Mary's mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now we can get into all of that, but what you need to know right now is God financed their trip to Egypt and to Nazareth. They had gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Those were commodities that could be readily sold in Egypt. They could make money from, find a house, and live. And because they would arrive in Egypt with that amount of money, they would look at those Jews differently than someone that came in that was poor. God provided exactly what they needed. And I am sure that when they were sitting there, and there's boy Jesus, and they're giving all this stuff, Joseph and Mary are like, wow, I, I don't even know why these are being given But once they moved to Egypt, it dawned on them, oh, God was providing for us all along. God will always provide for you when you are in his will. Next, your circumstance has not caught God off guard. Whatever trouble you are having has not caught God off guard. How do I know that? First of all, verse 17 says this, Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children, and she refused to be comforted because they are no more. Drop down to 23. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled that he would be called a Nazarene. In other words, God looked down through time and he knew this was going to happen to him and he provided a way. No matter what you are going through, no matter what resistance you have to following God, God always provides a way. He was not caught off guard. He is ready for you, and he's ready to help you, and he already has a plan. Next screen. Swallow and follow God. Swallow and follow God. Look, when you're in God's will and something bad happens, sometimes you just have to swallow and follow God. This is rough, but I know I'm doing what God wants me to do, so I'm going to continue to follow him and see where he wants me to go. Sometimes we're in the middle of something and it's really, really bad, and we just have to pause a moment and swallow and follow God. 
um, Joseph was always listening for God to talk to him. They had a great relationship with God. God kept talking to them, and they kept talking to him. And they were able, as a result of that relationship with their heavenly father, able to stand their ground in tough times. Here's a couple of things I wrote down. They never wavered in following God, even though they were fleeing for their lives. They never wavered. They never, they never wavered in following God, though they experienced fear. Some of us experience fear and we stop. Some of us experience fear and we decide to try to do something about that fear. No, they never wavered. They continued to be faithful to God even when things were tough. Three, they never wavered in following God, though they had to change their surroundings for a time. Though they had to uproot everything that they knew and change their surroundings, they never wavered in their call that God placed on their life. They never wavered in following God, though they were prevented from living where they wanted to live. Though they were prevented from living where they wanted to live. Look, I am sure that there are people in this room that wanted certain jobs that they prayed for that God did not give you that job. I'm sure that there are people in this room that wanted to live in certain locations and they were not able to live there because God didn't provide that for you. He sent you somewhere else. Following God is being faithful to him now and living exactly where he wants you to go. Following him where he is leading you to go and live and exist and breathe. You swallow and you follow God. Next. God will always tell you what you need to know. You can take that to the bank. He'll always tell you what you need to know. So, with that said, I'm going to cover one more thing. And it's part of what we often skip in this story. <laughs> All right? So, I guess we're going to start this way. Next screen. Deny or mad? I want you to look at this. Verse 16. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious. And he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all the region who were two years or older or younger, under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men, Um, this verse stops me in my tracks every time I read it. The horror of this happening in a town even 2,000 years ago is is just astounding. So the first first thing that comes to your mind is this. Why Why didn't God just stop this? Why didn't he prevent it? In fact, there are people deny, on the deny side that would say, we do not believe that there's a God because of all the evil in the world. There's so much evil and so much stuff going on in the world that, I mean, why doesn't he prevent it? If he was really a loving God, he would prevent this stuff. So I don't believe in the existence of God because there is evil in the world. Well, If you go that route, you are now living in a world where evil exists without a God. 
And if you live in a world where evil exists without of God, there is no hope for humanity. I have taken history in school. There are countless wars and corruption and evil and nasty stuff going on in human history. And so you are now without hope. There is no hope for this world. There is not going to be a political leader that comes on the scene that solves this. We have tried that for years. There is no hope for you. There is no hope for me. So we, we, do this, we do this thing where I don't think God exists because there's violence and war and humanity hasn't changed. And so there must not be a God. When all the while, why would God allow this is not the appropriate question. Why God would allow stuff like this to happen is not the question. It's the wrong question. And here's why. It is humanity that is allowing this stuff to happen. It is us. It's humans. Come on. It is the human that decides to do wrong. This fits in with Scripture. There is none righteous, no, not one. The world is evil. Ever since the fall, they have been blinded by the lies of Satan. And the only light is a baby that was born in a manger that grew up later to save these people from their sins, to take them out of that. It is people that are evil. In fact, I would submit to you this morning that it is God himself who should deny our existence. He should look at us and our evil and say, I'm done, they are gone. They will exist no longer. And to be honest with you, that would be an easier decision than what he did. Come on. It would be easier for him to look at you and me and say, they are sinful, they are wrong, they will not follow me and just get rid of the human race and start all over. Listen, this is the way I do my checkbook sometimes. Now, I I love the electronic age because for the last 10 years, I haven't balanced my checkbook. I just check online and I go with it. I don't even do paper. But back when I was doing it, man, you know, you would have that, you'd have that amount that didn't match the bank's amount and you're like I don't know where it is and you've swiped your card somewhere you didn't keep the receipt you didn't record it so you're trying to figure it all out and finally I would say you know what I'm tired of all this I'm getting a new check register and I'm starting fresh and clean right and so you put the fresh number at the very top and you threw out the other and you whittled with life right because it's much easier to get rid of all that stuff There are people that want that to happen even with things that they have done to other people in this life. They want somehow for us to forgive or for people to forgive and then start afresh and anew like it never even happened. The problem with that is it has happened and there are consequences for what has occurred. Are you following me? Because forgiveness is not forgetting or your mother would know more than God. Okay? Forgiveness is letting go of judgment on that person. So you, you can't just start with a, a clean slate like that. It, it, it's just not something that we, we can do. You still have that history. However, the God that created the universe 
with his mere word, the God that created this planet in an environment where we could all live is the same God that could wipe us all out and start all over. Evil is not a good reason to not believe that there's a God. It's just not a good reason because you still have evil. And if you take that to its logical extent, it's really God that should deny our existence. But he didn't. Because the scripture says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. They would be saved from this evil world because there's something bigger going on and a king that's coming eventually to make everything perfect and right. And that's an amazing thought. Second, mad. Some of us get mad at God. Some of us get mad at God because we are trying to do God's will and all of a sudden it's just very, very difficult for us to do it. It's very difficult for us to pray. It's very difficult for us to come to church. This is happening at my house. This is falling apart at my house. This is not doing well at my house. Yeah. Listen, I, I, I get it. Currently, I have two projects at my house. Both, one was an accident. I have to put in a new wall um, in my house. And, and the other is a fence has fallen and it can't get up. So, so I've, I've been trying to work through that. I've been working a chain. I can actually work a chainsaw pretty well. That means next week I'll probably have cut something off. But, but I can work a chainsaw pretty well and I can burn stuff. But then you sit back and you look at this stuff and you're like, you know, I really want to be doing something else. I don't want to be doing these projects. Stuff happens. And then my daughter was sick this week with the flu on her birthday, her 18th birthday. So, so that, I know, I don't know really how she felt about it because I didn't ask her because I don't care. But I, I, I'm just kidding. That's just a joke. That's just a joke. I do care. But for me, it, it was, it was kind of sad to know that she had the flu this week. And you're thinking, well, you know, we're, we're dedicated to the church. I'm dedicated to be a pastor. I try to help people as much as possible, right? I mean, there's all kinds of reasons I could get mad at God for this. But there's really no reason to get mad at God at all. Because God has never promised me that I would have a bed of roses when I follow him. And sometimes, all the time, when you decide to actually live for Jesus and you lean into that and you follow him, there is a resistance that comes your way that tries to stop you from doing it. It tries to sell you the lie that you must not be doing right because all these bad things are happening. When in fact, it's the opposite. The reason you have resistance and the reason bad things are happening is because you are following Jesus and the other side doesn't want you to do that because it knows that road is better for you than the road it offers. Are you tracking? Um, Mary and Joseph would have never done this, but I'm going to use them in a kind of alternate universe situation that doesn't exist. Fair enough? Everybody got me? The moment that they had news that Herod was going to come to Bethlehem, they could have abandoned Jesus and left themselves. They could have left him in Egypt. They could have left him on the side of the road. They could have abandoned what God had asked them to do, but they did not. 
that is a lesson for us. If God has called you to do something, if God has called you to witness to your family members this Christmas, if God has called you to witness to your neighbor, if God has called you to be a part of the children's program here, if God has called you to be a part of the youth program, if God has called you to be part of the worship or get involved in service and outreach and stuff like that, and you are constantly being prevented from doing that, it is time to take a stand and go for it anyway. Because that is a sign that you are supposed to be doing that. So when you're at home and you don't feel like coming to church, you need to come to church. When you're at home and you don't feel like doing the right thing, you need to do the right thing. When you're in a situation where you don't feel like now is the time for you to witness to that person or share Christ, that is the very time that you are supposed to do it. Resistance comes with being in God's will. Deny or mad, it just doesn't work. You just have to accept that God is with you and he's going to help you. So, that said, the old hymn goes, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. I cannot wait for that day. What gets me through the week is the fact that I'm just visiting <laughs> this, this arena I am just visiting, and eventually, I'm going to be somewhere else where I have a new checkbook register, right? I'm going to be somewhere else where it's just totally perfect, and everything's great, and there's no evil, and this is just for a time. So what gets me through the week is that thought. I'm just temporary here, and this is just all passing away. I cannot wait to when we sing, joy to the world, the Lord has come. So I am thankful for a silent night a long time ago when Mary had baby Jesus and held him for the first time. And then Joseph held him for the first time. And then the shepherds arrived in that manger and worshiped him for the very first time. I'm amazed by that night, by that silent night where God, instead of wiping us clean and denying our existence, said that we were worth it to him and his love and his grace to allow us to continue to live so that we might regain our relationship with him and live with him for eternity. That is an amazing thing to hold on to this Christmas, regardless if you're going through a good time or bad time, a mediocre time or whatever. That is something you can hold on to because that, ladies and gentlemen, is the hope of the world. Let's pray.